are listening to the sermon podcast of Covenant Presbyterian Church. We are a community in Madison, Wisconsin, who gathers to worship, to learn, to serve, and to grow together in God's love. Please visit us online at www.covenantmadison.org, where you can find information about Covenant Ministries, as well as links to our online worship services and sermon podcasts. Some people in this sanctuary are old like me and were old enough to remember a time when smoking was allowed on airplanes, right? Anybody remember those days? Yeah, we know who the old people are now. Okay, so how about that? I remember that as a kid being traumatized by the thought of having to go to the restroom and walk back through the smoking section on the back half of the plane where this cloud of smoke was. I remember wondering about the physics of it when when like you're in row 27, which is the last row of the non-smoking section, and the people behind you are puffing away. It's not like there's a magic wall there. It was just kind of a weird dynamic, and it seems almost surreal that that actually existed, but it did. But at some point, we learned. We learned more about how smoking isn't good for you. We learned more about secondhand smoke, how that's not good for you, especially in an enclosed place like an airplane. And we learned also to have a little bit of courage to challenge the tobacco industry and courage to change something that had been done for a long time. So now there's no more smoking on airplanes. Sometimes we pessimistically joke that things never change, that change is impossible, but it can and does happen. Yes, it can be really slow sometimes, but change happens. Think about our collective attitude towards same-sex marriage. 20, 30 years ago, many of us were ambiguous, if not opposed to the idea. But we've learned. We've gotten to know people in same-sex relationships. We know a lot of people. We are those people. And collectively, together, as a whole, for the most part, we've changed our minds. Not everybody, but the vast majority of people have really changed their thinking about this in the last 20 or 30 years. And that thinking has bubbled up to or maybe bubbled down from the leaders in our country. In 2012, President Barack Obama um, changed his mind. Apparently, there was a, he, he made an address and it interrupted regular evening coverage on TV and he said, I've been going through an evolution on this issue changed his mind. And then in 2013, former President George W. Bush, who previously had endorsed a constitutional amendment prohibiting same-sex marriage, not only served as a witness at a wedding of two women, but was, according to the Boston Globe, asked to officiate at that service, at that wedding. So how about that? Change change. Now, these two examples of the smoking on the plane and uh, change in attitudes about same-sex marriage are both discussed in this absolutely wonderful book called How Minds Change, The Surprising Science of Belief, Opinion, and Persuasion. And it's the Go Big Read book at the University of Wisconsin-Madison this year. I believe all incoming freshmen got a copy of this and some classes are using it. It's absolutely fascinating book that talks about how we have changed our minds and how we can change our minds. Um, really, really interesting. One of the big takeaways from this book for me is how change happens better in community 
when we have other people to share ideas with, when we're able to listen to one another and share our ideas and learn together. He cites an example in there of people who are given a test with sort of logic questions like we used to have in math class, questions like this. If it takes five machines, five minutes to make five widgets, how long would it take 100 machines to make 100 widgets? Some of you are probably getting stressed out with bad memories of high school math class with that question. Um, but apparently, according to this study, a lot of people individually got that question and others like it wrong. But when they were grouped in groups of three, apparently everybody got that question right. The answer is five minutes, by the way, in case some, some of you are going to be thinking about that all day. But that's, um, so together, people talked about it. And they learned and they figured out the truth together. What a great concept that together we can change our minds, we can think in new ways, we can find the truth. This is Reformation Sunday, the last Sunday in um, the month of October. And Reformation Sunday is a good day for us to be thinking about change. Reformation, it's a day for Presbyterians and Lutherans and Christian Reformed and all sorts of people in the Reformed branch of the church. We give thanks for John Calvin and Martin Luther and the good work they've done over the years. And we take these words that came from the Reformation, words in Latin, which I don't pronounce very well, ecclesia reformata semper reformanda, segundum verbum dei. That is the church reformed, always being reformed according to the word of God. And in our Presbyterian book of order the Constitution of the Presbyterian Church, we have that quote, and we've added the language in the power of the Spirit. So we're part of this Reformed tradition. We recognize in our Constitution the importance of reformation and change and learning new things and thinking in new ways. We realize how vitally important that is. At the same time, we need to remember that when we talk about reformation, we're not just talking about change for the sake of change. We do it when we sense God calling us, leading us, moving us forward. And sometimes that means to something brand new, and sometimes that means recapturing something that might have been lost or forgotten. It just depends. We get that same sense elsewhere in Scripture. Romans chapter 12, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, it opens with this language about transformation. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. Uh, that, that word transform in the Greek is the same as metamorphosis, the butterfly, right? Transformation. Be transformed. And you'll note, English majors might be noticing this, there's, um, there's the passive voice here. It's not about transforming ourselves. There's an implied agent in here. Be transformed by God by God, by the renewing of your mind, so you might discern what God's will is. This verse, like many others, calls us to be careful and prayerful and intentional about thinking about our lives and where we're going and where we might need reformation, not to just go with the flow and do something because everybody else is doing it. As Christians, we're called to be alert and awake and purposeful in our living. And sometimes when we get off track, we need to Get back on track. And that's kind of what Reformation is about, individually and together as the church. The Gospel of Mark opens with Jesus proclaiming the good news that something new is happening, that God's kingdom, God's realm, God's new reality is here. And then he uses that word, that word repent. He says repent. And sometimes 
that word's used like a weapon and people are, you know, feel bad about yourselves, you're miserable, you're bad, but that's not really the meaning of it. Repent means to change direction or to change one's mind. So Jesus is saying this new thing is here, this new kingdom is here. If you don't see it or if you're not part of it, turn around, think in new ways, be part of it, come join, come join this new kingdom, this new realm. Reform your direction if you need to. About getting on track or maybe getting back on track. We can learn, we can grow, we can do things differently. We can improve, we can do things better. That's the spirit of reformation. And that's really the spirit of our last Sunday in this series on building blocks. Over these four Sundays, we've been focusing on a section in the Book of Order that's the ministry of members, which is really the ministry of Christians, people who are part of a community. And it's in our Book of Order. And there are 12 items on this list. Three weeks ago, we read all of them out loud. We're not going to do that today. We have included them on the church prayer list. We've included them in weekly emails. We've included them in the October newsletter. Lots of opportunities to reflect on these. And we've encouraged you to ponder them and prayerfully consider them and think about our own membership. Like three weeks ago, we talked about supporting the ministry of the church with giving of time and talent and treasure. Two weeks ago, we talked about studying scripture and the issues of Christian faith and life. I mentioned reading with the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other hand and engaging in that way. Last week, we talked about caregiving, caring for one another with prayer, mutual concern, and active support. And then today, we're going to jump down to the last item on the list. Like I said, there's 12 of these, and you know, I would love to do a 12-week sermon series on this, but that seemed a little long, so we're just doing four. We're kind of jumping through, trusting that you'll, you'll get the gist of it. But the one that we're doing for today is kind of like a big-picture summary. The last item on this list of ministry of members, and I'd actually like to read this one together. You can see it on the screen. Um, the the uh, introduction to this section talks about how members of Christian churches, members of Christian communities um, are called to, to be active and engaged and, and, and strive for these things. Reviewing and evaluating regularly the integrity of one's membership and considering ways in which one's participation in the worship and service of the church may be increased and made more meaningful. Thank you. So the final item on this list is it's kind of like a reality check for us or it's kind of like a final exam in school maybe or it's kind of like an annual checkup at the doctor it's a chance for us to sort of take stock of where we are individually where we are as a church so how are we doing how are you doing as a christian how are we doing as a christian community how might we be able to be more engaged and make things more meaningful with our Christian life individually and together. I don't like guilt trips and I don't like burdening an already stressed out and busy and wearied people. But when we make a commitment to the Christian life, it entails some level of response. So we need to have these checkups on a regular basis and think about ways that God might be calling us to reform, redirect, find something new. I can't tell you what to do for yourself. You'll need to figure that out for you. But we can help each other out 
just like people with that math question. We come together, we share with one another. One way we do that is with small groups. We just had another round of small groups for six weeks. Several people were brand new to small groups for the first time. We're going to have another round in a few months. Stay tuned on that. And one person told me after the small groups, I really wanted to connect and grow, and I knew I couldn't do that on my own, right? So we come together with other people, and we learn, and we lovingly, graciously hold one another accountable. I spoke with someone else who's taking an intensive class on the Old Testament, a seminary class that's meeting here at Covenant. And they shared with me how much they love learning in community, learning from other students, other pilgrims on the journey. And they realize the more they learn, the more they want to learn more, and the more they realize they don't know. So they keep that journey, journey going. They have that openness to change, to reformation. There it is. Now, never stop improving is the slogan, if you will. Um, well, let me go back here. Ephesians, the reading for today. Um, it shapes and, and, and guides us with this, the sense of like our purpose, our stated purpose in Scripture is for good works. To live a life of purpose and meaning and intention is good works. And maybe that ties in with this idea of never stopping to improve. I know that's the, the slogan for a certain big box home improvement store. And, you know, getting a new patio or a new bathroom, that, that's, that's great, fantastic. But what about your life? What about improving your life? What about improving the church? Never stop improving. That's what we try to cultivate around here, this sense of uh, learning and growing and figure things out. One potentially... A um, way that we can think about improving and, and, and framing things differently. We, we do that individually. We do that together. And let me just offer one suggestion, food for thought, for thinking about ways that we might change or be reformed as we head into the holiday season. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if I did, I'm guessing a lot of hands would go up. You know, how many people have strained relationships with extended family members that they're going to see at Thanksgiving or Christmas, right? Yeah, we're kind of, there's a lot of that. And we keep going back the same years, year after year, and falling into the same patterns and saying the same things. And well, maybe it's time to rethink that and think about our role in that stress or that tension that might be around the, the Thanksgiving table or the Christmas dinner table or whatever. And to be intentional and purposeful about how you can bring light and love and grace and peace into those conversations. Just a thought. Just a thought. Those are good for us as individuals, but we need to think together as a church. And this Commitment Sunday, this day of Reformation, is a good day for us to be thinking about that. Um, they're vital for us as a church. You know, again, look at the walls here. Look at all those individual bricks. Each one of us is one of those bricks, and together we make up this big wall, this strong foundation that we are together. Building blocks are good for us individuals, but we need a lot of them for the church. So the stronger your individual bricks are, the more you've been reformed by God's word and spirit, the stronger the church is going to be. So we're all in this together. Here at this church, we've been trying to keep learning and reforming, and we've been blessed with a lot of solid bricks, and I'm grateful for the ways we try to keep improving things. For instance, we've learned a lot about technology in the last few years with live streaming during the pandemic and social media and upgrading our website and all sorts of things like that. We're still learning. We don't have all the answers yet. Technology is kind of overwhelming. With our children and youth ministry, we've had 
couple of very significant retirements and transitions in the program and coming out of the pandemic, we're learning new things about how children and youth are learning and engaging, and we're trying to adapt to that and move forward in these ways. With our mission work, we're exploring new ways of connecting with partners in Guatemala and elsewhere, and with the help of the Matthew 25 initiative of the Presbyterian Church, we're asking hard questions about structural racism and systemic poverty, and thinking, how is God calling us in Jesus Christ out into the world to make this world a better place? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Never stop improving, right? Never stop improving. We've improved the building a lot over the last several years. Several years ago, we got a new roof with solar panels. We've got new furniture in several places. We've got new paint in several places. We added to the columbarium. All sorts of things. New HVAC system. And with all these changes, we've thought, well, this building is here. Let's welcome the neighbors. Let's make it more of a community resource. And with that, we're learning about how to schedule a very busy building and make sure everybody has a space in here. So all these ways and more, our church is learning and growing and changing and trying to improve, and I'm grateful for that. I pray regularly for this church and for the world and for people on the prayer list, and I pray for myself a lot too. I've said this before. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's very appropriate. We're trying to build ourselves up. And so two of the things that I almost always pray for are wisdom and strength. I ask God to show me and to show us what we need to know, what we need to do, and then I ask for the, the courage and the conviction and the will and the strength to take steps forward in that. Those would be good prayers for all of us as we journey forward. You know, today is Reformation Sunday. When we think about change, it's also Commitment Sunday. When we think about where we're going as a church, we ask people to bring in pledge cards for 2024. We think about the finances, how they feed the ministry around here. So that's absolutely part of a Commitment Sunday. But that's not the only thing about Commitment Sunday. Today is as good a day as any for any of us, for all of us, to think about new ways of committing ourselves to be formed and reformed by God as Christians, as church members, as children of God, and continuing to try to learn God's love and live God's love. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the gift of this church. We thank you for the reformers who went before us with courage and wisdom and faith and changed this world for the better. We pray that you would be with us on our journey. If we have lost our way, reform us and get us back on track. If we're not doing something right, straighten us out. Show us your path. Show us the way. If we're hurting and struggling. Surround us with healing. Patch us up so that when the time comes, we'll be ready to move forward. Guide us. Lead us. Give us wisdom. Give us strength. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.